previously on The Avatar Returns. There are far too many pumpkin spice related products out there to be consumed, so Paul, I begrudgingly say you're doing a good job. Uh, I'm the only one not consuming uh, alcoholic beverage, so... I was full of shit. I was wrong. (laughs) I would say that these four episodes taken as a whole are, I think, probably the strongest uh, batch so far. You're just one boring psychopath. That sort of invalidates anything I'll ever say in a podcast ever again. Bossing, say what? And I'm going to say this. Fuck the Earth Kingdom. Jeez, wow. All right. Exactly. Monkey Yahtzee. Um, (laughs) Monkey Yahtzee. (laughs) What is the sound of one hand clapping? Uh, If Biling is in two episodes of a series, what is the worst episode of the series? Well, see, this is the whole point of this rewatch now. (laughs) Eric learns about cabbages. (laughs) This is beautiful. I love getting to watch this unfold. Hello and welcome to The Avatar Returns. I'm Paul. I'm Eric. I'm AJ. And each week we discuss two to four episodes of the Nickelodeon animated series Avatar The Last Airbender and its sequel series The Legend of Korra. Eric and I have seen both series before, but this is AJ's first trip to the world of Avatar. Uh, That means there will be spoilers only up to this point that we discussed tonight. So uh, this week we'll be talking about uh, book one, chapters 11 through 14. That's The Great Divide, The Storm, The Blue Spirit, and The Fortune Teller. But before we get to all those thes, there's a lot of thes there. Uh, How the heck are you guys doing? We've we've had a bit of a break from each other since the last time. so, So what's up? It was nice. The break was nice. Yeah, I thought so. I thought you'd say Now that. we're back. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, it is what it is. I'm here. <laughs> well, Eric's actually the only one that got a break, because he actually, he actually took a vacation. AJ and I didn't actually have a break from each other. I was actually the reason for this break. It wasn't so much a break as it was Eric ruined the schedule. <laughs> <laughs> I was in Austin last week, and it was um, it was pretty good. I had I had some good food and some decent drinks, and um, I it was a good time. I really good time in Austin. It was my first time out there, and I unfortunately went there after AJ and Paul had already sullied the town. So yeah. I don't think it was quite what it was a couple of months ago. But <laughs> before but we I'm glad I went the town gobble. <laughs> oh jeez, yeah. Well, we will uh, we'll always make allowances for. Uh, cast members of this podcast to go to Austin because AJ and I are big fans of Austin. So cool. this is the only allowance though. You yeah, can that's only it. break the schedule if you're going to Austin. That's okay. Right. Well that's, that's too bad because at some point I'll be going to San Francisco and that's not okay. okay so I no, guess I'm no. off the show at that point. No, I'm, I'm no. all right with San Francisco too. I love San Francisco. No, no. Okay. You won't be off the show. You will just have, you'll just be subjected to chemical castration, but you're allowed back on the show. Wow. That was... So do I not get chemically castrated if I don't come back to the show? Because that's sounding like a better option. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's, I mean, yeah. Okay, cool. So I'm off the show as a, as a <laughs> okay. then. Great. That's fine. That's fine. All right. Well, I guess we should enjoy our time together now while we still have it. Then. <laughs> so, uh, uh, yeah, this week, uh, another, another four episode, another four chapter episode. Um, and Eric, you commented that, um, fortunately, It'll be a little while before we do this again because two four-part episodes in a row is a bit much. It was it was a little rough. It's just a lot of episodes to keep them in my head. I, I have to be honest that while you were telling the audience which episodes we were watching, <laughs> I had to look up one of them to be like, wait, which one was that one? And I was so 
<laughs> so four has a little tough, but I did remember it once I looked at it up again. But it's, okay. it's a lot of episodes to keep in your head. All this right. is why you take notes. I don't need notes. Yeah. I don't care that much. AJ takes a buttload of notes. I take. I do. I take some notes. Like AJ, I imagine you've got just like stacks of notebooks filled, uh, sitting next to you. If print wasn't dead, yes, that would be the case. Oh, okay. You've just got a terabyte of, it's true. of data on your computer. Entire external up. hard drive just devoted to this week's notes. Awesome. Um, I take a small handful of notes, which usually do me uh, absolutely no good. And Eric, I guess you just uh, you plow through on instinct, huh? Yeah, I just, you know, I figure if it wasn't good enough for me to remember it, then I don't <laughs> need to talk about it. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, so let's let's find out what was good enough to talk about. Um, AJ, since you are the the noob here, we'll start with you. Uh, how did these how did these four episodes sit with you? I will say the middle two chapters, uh, the storm and the blue spirit, mm-hmm. um, are the two best episodes so far, uh, and they're bookended by two perfectly decent episodes that <laughs> really didn't make much of a mark on me. I think that's fair. Uh, the The first episode, The Great Divide, um, I feel like I say this every week. I point out the one that, in my opinion, most fans don't like. Well, I, I think I've got data to back this one up. Very few fans seem to be taken with The Great Divide. Like, that seems to be one of them that's fair game for people to say, yeah, that was that's kind of the worst of the, of the season. I mean, I, when, it, when I hear stuff like that, I expect something like uh, Teacher's Pet. <laughs> on Buffy, you know, or or Angel's She, yeah. Uh, but uh, the Great Divide, I think, I think it's a fine episode. It's it's nowhere near the horribleness of those two examples. Um, and I, I like the fact that it's about Aang in the role, sort of of uh, of of peacekeeper, of trying to unite these two uh, warring tribes because that is what he's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And so this episode sort of explored that on a on a micro scale. Um, and that was fine. It was just, it was very, very simple. Um, and the conclusion to the episode, it really bothered me before the, the, the twist that he was lying because, because the entire time I was sitting there thinking, why don't they just think he's lying? <laughs> like why, why, why are these, these like tribes who bust out knives, like at the, the slightest you know, mention of anything. Why? Why don't they immediately assume that this kid is lying to them and cut his throat? Um, wow, that's dark, AJ. And even after, <laughs> and it is made a little better by the fact that we do find out he is lying. But still, I, I don't. I have no idea why the the Jang and the Ganjin. I'm sorry, the Jang and the Ganjin. That's right. That's those are the tribes. Jang and Ganjin. Yeah. Okay. Why? By the way, I again, I'm not looking up how to spell any of this. Good. So. Don't start now. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, I still don't understand why they didn't see through that. Um, and maybe my, my, uh, I'm not going to say a bigger complaint, but a complaint on an equal level is the entire episode's premise that they have to go through. I mean, the great divide, it's the grand Canyon. They have yeah, to go through yeah. the grand Canyon, um, together. The entire premise is false because fucking, uh, Ng's got a, a bison whistle call Appa back after he takes the, the, the old and the sick people. Just have him... Uh, I, get, I, I know I know you don't want to exhaust Appa, but 
just have him come back a few times. And fairy wow. I, it didn't take us long for AJ to go full nerd plot hole finder <laughs> on us. <laughs> that's not – see, okay. To me, that's not so much of a plot hole as it is like a glaring design flaw because usually when it comes to pl- – like plot holes I think of as things that people five to ten years down the line point out like, oh, you love this movie? Well, these are all the things that are wrong with it. <laughs> this to me is like something I, I noticed immediately, and I am not good with that stuff. Why didn't they I... just use the eagles? Why didn't they just use the eagles to get the, to get the ring to Mordor? <laughs> well, okay, but the Lord of the Rings is a much uh, that that's a better trade off than the Great Divide. It's <laughs> not up to the up to par with the Lord of the Rings. It was, it was a totally decent episode, but it yeah it it's probably down there and I say down there but I, I didn't hate either episode by any means it's probably down there with the king of Omashu for me at this point I yeah. you know I would say that it is of the two episodes that were not particularly good mm-hmm. in this week I mean they were not bad but they weren't like terrible episodes I would say that this was the better of the two because oh. you made a good point AJ that it, this one has at least a nod to what the avatar's purpose is mm-hmm. of mediating problems and I like that it shows that the avatar's purpose is not punching people so much as it is finding a way to work out and resolve conflicts yeah. so I think this episode was important even though it wasn't great whereas the fortune teller didn't really have that going for it it didn't have like a real point so I liked this one better than the fortune teller and, I'll, and even better than some of the other weaker episodes that I can't remember the titles of at this point from earlier this season um, that I feel like this at least was like, okay, I get why they made this episode, even if it wasn't executed all that well. Wow. All right. Um, I will say like, I don't want to gloss over your opinion on this episode, Paul, but real quick, I, I would say that um, the fortune teller, I, th- I think you're absolutely right, Eric, that, at least um, the Great Divide has a point where the fortune teller really doesn't. I do have some problems with the fortune teller as well, but I think I think overall I, I enjoyed like as as just a piece of entertainment. I think I enjoyed the fortune teller more. I, that's basically my feeling on it. I don't I don't dislike either of the, those episodes. Yeah, they're not bad episodes. Um, like when you said when you hear me talk about this is one of the episodes that, you know, the great divide is one of the episodes that fans generally agree is the worst in the series. You're, you're expecting something like teacher's pet or whatever. Um, I, I, I don't believe even the lowest points in this series dip that low. Um, I'm sorry. I should have gone with iRobot Eugene. That is worse than Teacher's Pet. Oh, it's way worse. Yeah, yeah. Teacher's Pet at least has some charm to it. iRobot yeah. is definitely the, Just the worst. <laughs> I'm jacked in. Oh geez. <laughs> um, anyway, so yeah, I don't, I don't actually hate or even dislike either of the the two quote unquote bad episodes this week. But um, uh, I, I agree with you, AJ. I, I think that um, Eric, you're correct. The Great Divide actually, you know, serves a purpose, or or it moves at least some small bit of the grander story forward, whereas the Fortune Teller kind of doesn't. But uh, Primarily, okay. primarily on the strength of Sokka, <laughs> I think uh, I enjoy the Fortune Teller more than the Great Divide. Can I nitpick uh, the Great Divide a little more? Sure. Okay, so the tribe leaders, like the, the mythical tribe leaders, are named Jin Wei and Wei Jin. Yep. Does this not st- seem like a, a, an insane coincidence? <laughs> Dude, to these this people? is the this is the this is the Star Trek the equivalent of the Star Trek episode with the half white, half black people yeah, yeah and it's yeah. just reversed it's like exactly that in fact i bet in the writer's room they said 
that's what we're nodding to. Yeah. Right now. I know nothing about Star Trek, so that went completely over my head. Well, AJ, that's your problem, and I don't really <laughs> feel a need to explain it to you. But this is no, the um, second this is the second episode um in recent history. Not like one on Gobbledygeek one here now where I've been publicly uh, excoriated for knowing nothing about Star Trek. So, so, so okay, uh, uh, audience members who don't th- don't know, in the original series Star Trek, they go to a planet, or they, they have to mediate a conflict between two races, one group, and one of them, the, one of the main characters is played by Frank Gorshin, the Riddler, by the way. Yes. So, anyways, one of the race, one, one group of the races are half white on one side, like white on the left side, black on the right, and the other race is black on the left side and white on the right. But they hate each other because they other they see each other as mongrels. It's like the old series is very very subtle comment on racism, and um, and Kirk even has a breakdown where he's shouting at them at like you're not different. What the hell's wrong with you? But anyways, that's sort of the whole point of the episode is I'm trying to mediate a conflict between two people that see each other as different when they're not really different. So anyways, that's what I think the way Jin Jin Wei thing is. So I, I mean, it's, kind it's of meant to just have... it's meant to just be a fable, but yeah. Aang yeah, kind was... of, Aang kind of does have his William Shatner moment though, when he's like, "You're all awful." Yes, <laughs> yeah, kind of like that. And I, I liked the different animation styles in the two for the for the tales. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I liked it. That was it was fun to see the show experiment a little bit, even on a you could tell it was on a budget, obviously, but it was also, interesting. Also, the great Rene Abergenois. Abergenois. I can't pronounce his name. Anyways, Odo from Deep Space Nine. Yeah, um, was also on there. Backing up my Star Trek reference idea <laughs> nice. nice there you go so i'm either okay so so aj has done the like geek plot hole thing and i have done like the geek plot conspiracy thing where everything's like a nod to something else so <laughs> okay we are we're really we're really making this episode work awesome well i think the only thing else um of any real significance that comes out of this episode is uh this is the episode where we get confirmation like within the show that bossing say is the capital of the earth kingdom. Yes. Um, I think we, we said that on our, on the last podcast, but I, they hadn't quite said it in the show yet, but, um, Oh, the f- another good thing about this episode, the fight with the, uh, the Canyon crawlers. I thought that was kind of cool where they have to like muzzle all of them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. That was fun. Um, I believe I'd read somewhere that the design of those creatures, like early in the development of the series, um, one of the artists or writers, you know, we've talked about how they have hybrid creatures in this universe. They came up, they were just like spitballing ideas for, you know, this animal mixed with that animal. And someone came up with spiders and crocodiles and they couldn't figure out what to do with them. And that's what the canyon crawlers were. Basically, they were, they were spider dials. I like it. Yeah. Interesting. Cro- crocoders. Cro- cro- crocoders. <laughs> All right. I just want to say before we move on to the next episode that this had me very worried about this four episode run because I was like, oh, God, are we in that middle of the first season stretch now where, (laughs) you know, there's like five or six worthless standalone episodes in a row because that's what you have to do when you have 20 episodes to burn. So I came out of the Great Divide very concerned. And I just to once again remind the audience that I don't read episode descriptions of what I'm about to watch for the most part. So I didn't know what any of these episodes were and I didn't remember any of the episode titles. So going into the storm, which sounded as generic as the great divide, mm-hmm. I was like, great. We're just, I'm in for it. This is going to be a, this is going to be a slog. No wonder, it, no wonder Paul put all these episodes together. This is just going to be garbage. Just to get, <laughs> just to get him over with. Yeah. Yes. So that's uh, what I went into the storm feeling uh well how did you come out of the storm feeling 
holy crap, that was a good episode. Right. And and yeah. they, they they like dropped some huge backstory stuff that I didn't realize. I didn't know how long it was before we found out um, Zuko's backstory. And I don't want to talk too much about it before AJ can talk about how he feels about this now. But I was surprised at the density of backstory mm-hmm. in this yeah. episode. Uh, yeah, we get um, Aang and Zuko both kind of parallel backstories for those two. Yep. Um, yep. AJ, what about you? How'd you feel? I loved it. I thought it was a great episode. Like I think, um, because I infamously thought uh, "Imprisoned" was a was a pretty great episode, but this was the this was the first episode of the series where I was like, "Wow, that was that was." Because I'll, I'll be honest, I when I watched "The Great Divide," um, I had this thought: like, is this a show that I'm going to be able to? Like, I really enjoy the show, but is this a show I'm going to be able to really love? At any point, because like I, I didn't know it being a Nickelodeon cartoon and all, which is not a knock against animation. I just didn't know it was a show I could really truly love. And then immediately after that, to get an episode like The Storm, was yeah confirmation that yeah this is a show I can love. And I yeah I thought it was a brilliant episode. Uh, and I will say though there was sadly no hip hop related angle, um, <laughs> I I do now. I appreciate Zuko uh, much more. This and the the following episode made me appreciate Zuko much more. Awesome. And did you catch AJ? Maybe you already knew this, and it's possible. Maybe we already got there. But did you catch Fire Lord Ozai's voice actor? Oh yeah. I mean, I had it spoiled for me beforehand. But even even if I hadn't, like I would have heard that voice and immediately would he, have known that was Mark fucking Hamill. He's straight up Emperor Joker. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I know. It's so yeah. great. It's so great. <laughs> um. Does does he voice it throughout the entire yep. series? He does. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And I, I remember being really surprised when I got there and it being him because I was like, oh, is that Mark Hamill for like three seconds? Because, I mean, I don't think we see a whole lot of Ozai f- for a while. I mean, I don't, I don't think we we don't get a ton of Ozai here going forward for yeah. a little bit, and and so them getting uh, Hamill this early shows that they were like, this is who we want as our main villain when we get there. So let's just throw him. And usually when that's the case, you just don't hear the villain's voice until there's enough work for them to hire the big name. Uh-huh. So for them to have gotten him for this like little moment was kind of surprising to me. You know what I've always thought was an interesting choice that they make? And um, I, I don't think this is... I'm not going to consider this a spoiler. But AJ, did you notice that they you only ever see fire Lord Ozai like in silhouette, like you never get to see his face or, or whatever. He's yeah, always at I mean, a distance or out of focus I mean, or. Yeah. Is, have we seen him like in silhouette, like before this, or was this, cause I know this is definitely the first time we hear his voice. I, I feel like we, like we saw him in the background of another scene. Maybe not. Maybe okay. this was the first time I, I can't remember now, but um, I just, I, I wonder if you feel like that's a significant detail. I mean, I, I noticed it. I, I Now I'm like, is it a character that we like, is he, he's not a character that we already know. Is he? I mean, okay, well see now I can't now. You don't, you don't have to tell me. I didn't know this. I, is this a significant detail, Paul? Because before you asked that question, I was just like, Oh, so he's like claw and inspector gadget. Like <laughs> you just don't get to see him. Um, well, I'll tell you what, we've got lists. I know for a fact we have listeners who are, are playing along for the first time with us. So I, I'll say no more on that subject. Um, 
if if either one of you wants me to quote unquote spoil it once we're not recording, we can talk. about I it. I don't want it spoiled. Okay. I don't want it spoiled. All right. We'll just uh, we'll just leave it at that. I don't want it spoiled. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, Is it Katara? Yes. You never see them oh together god. in the scene. Oh my god. At the same time. Mind blown. <laughs> um, let's see. So, uh, AJ, you've asked previously. Uh, you know, what some of the details were, or like how an avatar is chosen or whatever. We get a little bit of that this time. We do, yeah. We, and I think this is maybe a detail you had told me on, on another episode or, or, because, or maybe there's a, a brief reference to it, but uh, we do find out in this episode that um, like the reason that they knew, like the airbender monks or whatever you want to call them, the mm-hmm. elders, mm-hmm. why they knew uh, Aang was the avatar is because the uh, toys that he chose were the, the four avatar relics. And I love Aang's response because they, they attach so much significance and meaning to that. And Aang's response is, I, I chose them because I thought they were fun. Right. Which yeah. perfectly sums up Aang's character. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I don't know if we specifically mentioned that before, but we did. I, I think when you I asked... Did. Did you? You I, mentioned the I, toys? I spoiled this. Yeah, no, no. I, I actually didn't realize that that it was given away. In, that, that it was like, I didn't realize there was an episode where we actually saw that in Avatar. I remember there being a scene of that with Korra um, that, where they got it, which is actually when it stuck for me that that's how they chose it. So I didn't remember it from the series, so I didn't oh, think okay. I was really... I didn't think I was discussing a scene that was coming up, honestly, but it was kind of cool getting to see it. I liked that scene. I had not remembered that scene, so it was kind of a delight to get that that scene again. Yeah, what I like about um the the scenes at the Southern Air Temple um the the little you know glimpses of what Aang's life was like before he became the avatar and just an idea of what he gave up by becoming the avatar basically just a normal childhood um like you know he had friends to play with and uh by the end of the episode he has to he has to watch all of his friends play with the toy that he created, play games with his air scooter without him because they, you know. Okay, I have a question about it because that is heartbreaking. But I have a question about the punchline of that scene uh-huh. and whether or not it's deeply offensive. Uh, okay. Maybe maybe I read it wrong. Okay. Maybe I read it wrong. But after like after Aang like walks away, they're like, oh, okay, the, now, you're talking about the kid? Like, yeah, who? like, oh, now who wants to pick so-and-so? And it's like... There's like a, to me, a very obviously like mentally handicapped child, and it's supposed to be hilarious. Did <laughs> I, I read totally, that wrong? No, I that... just, I don't remember this. I actually, this scene did not make an impression on me. So this is one of those things that my notes obviously would have forced me to actually be able to talk about. <laughs> now I don't have to. I, I don't, I don't think, I mean, mentally, like mentally challenged never crossed like my mentally, mind. They look pretty stereotypically mentally challenged to me, like with uh, the hand and the. Like, well, I mean, I he's like know. he's like picking his nose or something, isn't he? Like, I don't, I don't know. I suppose, uh, in a in a cripplingly politically correct society, we could look at that as being offensive. But um, I, I never read it that way. Okay, I mean, if I'm reading it wrong, other I other than that. I mean, it is I, offensive in the sense that you know I was always the kid that was picked last <laughs> to to play with the other kids in in team sports. But uh, so in that sense, I'm offended by it. But. If if you're reading it the right way, AJ would probably would have bothered me too. I for some reason this just did not like this scene didn't register, which makes me wonder if like I was getting like obno- like annoyed by my cat or something when that <laughs> Eric, was going on. Eric, um, you can be honest. Did you watch these episodes? 
I mean, define watch. <laughs> okay, all right. That's all I wanted to know. That's all I wanted to know. <laughs> they were playing somewhere in the house. Yeah, I, I, I'm sure I was, you know, getting a drink or something, but... Sure, you know. yeah. Yeah, that's what you do. Um, this, also, this episode also gives us a, a better idea of the relationship between Aang and uh, Monk Gyatso. Monkey Yahtzee. Monkey Yahtzee. Monkey Yahtzee, yeah. yeah. They, you have ruined that character for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad. Uh, so, so uh, you know, we get a better idea of why Aang was so heartbroken at the the loss of his We did. Mentor. He was, uh, Gyatso was great. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a moment where uh, the elders, uh, I don't know if they're actually called the elders, the, the council or the the Watcher's Council. Yeah. Um, comes up to Gyatso. And the reason I mentioned the Watcher's Council is because they have that whole moment where they're like, you are letting your affection for the boy cloud your judgment, which to me, and I know, I, I've, I think I've managed to somehow mention Buffy every single episode of this podcast. I believe you're right. But immediately when I heard that, the first line that popped in my head was, you have a father's love for the girl. Like, that, it's, yes. it's that moment. Yeah. It's that moment. And that was, know, that was great. Not only have you managed to bring up Buffy every episode of this show I think you are running to bring it up every episode of Avatar within each episode of this show you have now brought it up for two episodes running today <laughs> I am going to have to see if I can bring it up for the next two I'm sure I'm sure you'll find a way um, all right well I'm excited that you uh, AJ said this episode finally you know y- you have a little bit of respect maybe or appreciation for Zuko after this episode I want to to clarify. I feel like my what my feelings on Zuko got blown out of proportion. That never happens. What are you talking about? I my initial opinion was like he's kind he's kind of annoying, but I could tell especially from your guys's reaction in the first episode. I could tell that this was a character who down the line would probably have like a more sympathetic turn or with more light would be shed on his backstory or maybe and this is just me spitballing maybe he plays for our team by the end of the series i don't know i don't know um you have been watching too much spike there we go i and and i wasn't gonna say that eric i was not gonna say that but that was in my head that was in my head also in my head uh vegeta from dragon ball z oh man anyway um I, I really, I really liked um, getting more background. I liked uh, that flashback with uh, Zuko in the war chamber, and the fact that um, he he stood up to uh, the general and told him, like he he understood, even though he he's part of the Fire Nation, he is not. He doesn't want to indiscriminately like w- sacrifice people or just or just wipe out people. Yeah. Um, uh, so his whole thing where you can't sacrifice an entire division like that, those soldiers love and defend our nation and all of that. And then the fact that he had to fight his father because he said those words in his father's war chamber, mm-hmm. that was, that was deeply fucked. Yep. Um, and that's, we find out that's how he got his scar. Yep. And the, uh, the, the, the scene where, where Iroh, who's telling the story, um, says, uh, the avatar gave Zuko hope. Yes. That really changed my perspective. Awesome. That's awesome because that's what uh, Iroh was trying to do in that moment was change people's perceptions of his nephew. So that's awesome. Yeah. And and then we even see Zuko in action after that. Like he um, decides to to, to let the Avatar go because they need to get the shit back to safety. Yeah. Because he he will not 
sacrifice people unnecessarily. Um, and I really love that. And I loved, um, I'll get to that for the next episode, but I really, I really loved all of that stuff. You know what I really like about the backstory thing with, with Zuko and his dad is, you know, it's very easy to try to set up a villain by showing him be terrible to his subordinates, you know? So like showing Ozai be indiscriminately awful to people would be one thing. And even being a dick to his kid would be an easy way of making him bad. But the focused cruelty of what he does to Zuko is so specific that it really works. It doesn't feel like a evil villain trope mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. It feels like I mean it feels like a character moment and a really awful character moment. It's like everything about what he does is designed to humiliate Zuko in that yeah. moment. You know, like he forces him to fight him and then when he refuses, burns him and exiles him for being weak. And you know you get the feeling that like he may have gotten to burning him and exiling him anyways. Like it's a game he's playing with his kid. Yeah. And it's it's just it's atrocious. And I really like it because it's 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 deeply awful and not lazily awful. And when people write villains like Ozai, they tend to get lazy awful with the evil. And I really appreciated the the specificity of what they did in this. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Um Yeah, what else, let's see, what else do we have to cover in this particular episode? Um I think it's worth noting that it's a really interestingly structured episode for a kids show, and I think that's one of the reasons this one stands out. That it's a it's there's no there's no real plot to it. I mean, like it, it, um, Aang has to go save Sokka from the ship at the end, which uh-huh. I think is pretty much there because I'm sure Nickelodeon wouldn't have let them get away without having that much <laughs> stuff. But it's not like it's structured like people are sitting around telling stories about the past, which is not that bold for a non kids show, but for a kids show is kind of out there. Yeah, and it's uh, the the structure is it's parallel flashbacks. Uh, that intercut like it's not even just one one person's flashback and then the others it's uh yeah. they cut back and forth between the two um i appreciate the fact that in their own way each of these two characters ang and zuko have both been banished um like ang was ang basically banished himself um although he accidentally did it for 100 years um Zuko oh was... yeah, let's talk. Let's talk a little. I'm sorry. Continue. No, no. Go ahead. What? What do you? Let's talk a little about that aspect. So the episode opens with Aang having a dream that turns from like all like like gold, golden hues and all heavenly, like he's flying in the clouds, mm-hmm. with Appa to the very dark and doom laden dream where Gyatso shows up. You know what? What? Why did you disappear? And all of that. And we really. Um, I mean, we find out more than just. We find out more than just what happened when the elders told Aang that he was the Avatar. We find out like his reaction to that and how he 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 fled during a storm, mm-hmm. and th- that's when he uh, the next thing he knew he woke up and Katara had found him. Mm-hmm. Um, and he he's living with this guilt that we before before this we didn't know that we didn't know was a part of him. Yeah, it uh, it explains some of his behavior before. Like in the very first episode, we got a little bit of a flashback just to show that he had fallen into the water and that's when he avatared out and froze himself, him and Appa into an iceberg. Uh, but that's all we knew. And now we find out how he got there and what emotional state he was in and why he feels guilty for, for disappearing at that particular moment. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, what else? What other notes do I have for this particular episode? Uh, I will say there are, there are two, hang on, let me see. 
I think only two. There are two bits that are introduced in this episode um, that seem like, I'm trying to be vague here, that seem like just, you know, interesting things to throw into this episode to spice it up. But both of them will play significant roles in the series going forward. Is know. it the relationship between the fisherman and his wife? It is. Yes, you got me. Okay. You got me. This is what the show is really all about. Even more specifically, it's about the fish that he gives Sokka. Oh, damn. Go back and watch. Look at that fish. Remember that fish. Uh, ab- ab- about the... Remember that fish. <laughs> That's a hashtag. Uh, go, to, to go back to the fisherman for a second, though, I knew that I knew that voice. Uh-huh. It sound, uh, I don't think it is, but it sounded to me like Ed Asner. It, I actually thought it was Ed Asner, too. It's not. It's Robert Pine. Who was on? Uh, I I know I watched the show as a kid. I don't. I couldn't tell you if I remember anything about it. But he was on Chips. Oh wow! <laughs> he played Sar- uh, Sergeant Joseph Gutrayer okay. on Chips for six years. So I assume I saw him on that show. I must have seen him too. Um, but no, he's like he's been in like every old TV show you can think of: Lost in Space, uh, The Monsters, uh, all sorts of old TV shows. Um, and I was, he was, he, he even did a voice in Frozen. He was on Parks and Rec. I mean, this guy has been in everything. Hmm. Well, he really sounded like Ed Asner. <laughs> that's, that's what he's been going for <laughs> his entire career. Yes. Uh, uh, I like that we get to see Aang, you, Aang's using waterbending more and more, which, which I like. Um, I feel like him learning uh, we got that one episode, the waterbending scroll, where where uh, Katara is trying to teach him how to waterbend, and then from that point on, it could have easily just been dropped. But we've just seen him use waterbending. Uh, like in this one, he he uses he creates water spouts to slice the mast in half before it crushes Sokka and the the fisherman. That was pretty badass. Yeah, um, I just like that we're seeing more casual use of it. Yeah. I agree. It's just becoming part of the battle that he fights with stuff. It's one of the things he's learning and using, which I like. It's a big deal. Doesn't need to be made about it all the time. It's just part of his repertoire now. Yeah. Also, he seems to be getting a better handle on his avatar state. Like uh, specifically in this, like this parallels the first episode where when he they crash into the water and they're sinking down, um, and you know his his eyes glow and he goes into the avatar state. And last time he did that, we saw him do that. He like froze himself in a in an iceberg, but this time he maintains control of it and just gets them out of the water and everything's cool. So looks like maybe the outbursts are coming a little bit under his control. Yep. Yep. He also explicitly states this episode. Um, I knew, I remembered that this happened at some point in the series. Um, and so I've been watching for it. This is the episode where he explicitly states that he does not eat meat. That's right. That's right. So, uh, it's now canon. Aang is vegetarian, which makes for an interesting uh, companionship with Sokka, who will eat will eat anything that stands still long enough. I literally, like, shortly before we started recording, I watched the episode of last week tonight from earlier this year, where John Oliver was fucking laying in, into. No, no. I think it might. No, it was Colbert. It was Colbert who was laying into smug vegetarians. So it's kind of an interesting parallel. <laughs> um, finally, Aang is a vegetarian, and then Colbert just man had a whole five minute bit about how awful vegetarians were. Oh, geez, Colbert, come on. Um, okay. Uh, any anything else? Any other thoughts about that episode? No, I think that's 
I think we hit it. I liked it a lot. All right. Well, what about the next one? Uh, the next one, The Blue Spirit. This is the episode that I, when I looked at the list right before we started, I was like, crap, which one was The Blue Spirit? Oh, wow. But but as ridiculous as that sounds, I actually really loved this episode. I thought it was really good. For some reason, I just blanked uh-huh. the, the title. Partially because the title barely connects up with what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I think that's why, because the title just doesn't, doesn't seem to be what the episode is about, even though I, I get that but yeah i don't they they never use the name the blue spirit in the episode do they like they don't no one ever refers to that character as the blue spirit i think someone refers to him as the blue thief okay at one point all right in my notes before that point i was referring to him as the assassin because that's what he looked like right yes he looks like a ninja yeah yeah um which that would have been pretty dark for this show to have an assassin like (laughs) you were were expecting to get his throat cut (laughs) <laughs> I was. I was. Every episode, I keep waiting for someone to get their throat slit so I can take this show seriously. Oh, jeez. <laughs> um, all right. So, Eric, you liked the episode? Yeah. Yeah, it was really good. It was it, – it got good, I should say. Like, the first half of it was feeling a little weird uh-huh. and disconnected mm-hmm. um, with the – I mean, I think, it, I think it's kind of neat that it has continuity with the episode previous with Sokka being ill. Right. Yeah. Coming into it. But then there's all this weird stuff with, like – I mean, I still don't know where it was going with uh, Katara asking Momo to get water for them. Like, that goes on for an awful lot of screen time devoted that to is, her trying to talk to Momo. It is a running joke. You know, what I like that comes out of that, um, and, and and you're right, it could have been played in just, they didn't need to do, run the scene three times. But uh, <laughs> is the, the whole Momo vision scene, just yes. because not only is it funny, uh, but also it makes it clear that as much as we might love to anthropomorphize some of these animals. Uh, you know, Momo is part of the team, but he's also, he's, he's just an animal. He, yes. he does this stuff. He, he behaves the way he does maybe out of empathy, but not because he understands what people are telling him to do. So. And I, I like that he keeps trying to go out, but it was just, it was an awful lot. Like yeah. it was an awful lot of time. And then there's like, so it's that. And then Ang's plot starts off as like seeming not that important at all. He just run off to go get, Mm-hmm. the thing and, and and it looks like we're just going to get him versus another supposedly powerful bad guy group that won't ultimately amount to much the yuyan archers yeah it feels like you know like at the beginning of the episode it feels like oh they're going to cause a problem and then he's going to defeat them at the end of the episode and blah 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 yeah. and then suddenly it stops being that about halfway through the episode and that is really when it got great like it kind of felt like a normal episode i think is what i'm saying for that first 15 minutes or so or i guess more like 10 um, but once Aang actually goes up against the archers, mm-hmm. from that point yeah. forward, it gets like pretty serious. That is a fantastic scene, him versus yeah. the archers. I have a question: is it is it Yu Yan or Yu Yang? It's Yu Yan, Y U Y A N. That's good because in my notes I spelled I spelled it followed by three question marks. Y O O hyphen Y A N G. Yu Yang. So you've and created I'm, some kind of terrible children's drink. I'm really, I'm really <laughs> glad it's not the Yu Yang archers because even for this show, it's like really Yu Yang. Come on, you guys. <laughs> All right. Well, anyways, but they're they were cool. I lo- they're I like really them. Really cool. Um, let's see. Uh, developments with uh, Eric's favorite character, Commander Zhao, is now <laughs> is now Admiral Zhao. 
Because what we needed him from him was to have more power and thus more of a presence in this story. Yes. Yeah. I don't know what moment inspired me to write this in my notes, but one of my notes is Jal Sovain. He probably thinks this show is about him. <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> That's brilliant. Wow. <laughs> um, let's see. I, I, I like the fact that, um, he okay so he makes his way to the swamp uh to find the frozen frogs yeah i really feel like it took multiple viewings so so aj let me know if you noticed this or if this like registered with you the fact that so he gets to the swamp to find frozen frogs it's it says it right there frozen but um like around the edges of the water there was ice um, like he didn't react when he jumps into the water. He didn't react like it was cold, but you could see that there was some snow, a little bit of snow in the background and like the edges of the swamp were frozen. Uh, did like, did you notice that? I did not know. Okay. Uh, I like that because that is another indicator that like there's, you know, geographic progression. They're, they're making their way North. And so that's why we're seeing more storms. And now they're in an area where there's a little, it's cold enough that water is starting to freeze. It's just a small detail I noticed that I, I particularly liked. I missed that. I totally missed that. Um, and and I loved, I mean, he used water bending to do it, but I love the fact that he protected himself by freezing a wave between him and the archers. Is that the first time we've seen that with water bending in the series? No, actually, we saw it in the the second episode. Katara made the water on the deck of the ship freeze oh. around the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, she yeah, yeah. she and she also froze Jet to the tree. That's right. That's right. That's one of my favorite waterbending powers is the ice stuff. It's pretty powerful. It's a pretty it's powerful cool. use. Yeah. I don't know the justification of them being able to do that, but it's pretty badass. <laughs> I like it. I'll allow it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, we, we get to see another um, airbender ability, which I think we've we've seen before and they just have never really lampshaded it. But the fact that Aang can run at super speed, he can run like the wind. Yeah. Yeah. Which that is a, pretty... a, a useful power. Can I point out how quickly and easily Zhao captures the Avatar? Like this whole th- this whole thing, like he, you know, he wants to recruit the archers to help him and all of that. And there's this parallel thing where Zuko obviously doesn't want Zhao to show him up, you know, because he's hunting the Avatar. But once once Zhao recruits the archers, like boom, like nothing. <laughs> like well, he, he captures Aang super easily. This is true, but I mean, it. it I it understand. Was, it was kind it, of a perfect storm of events that that it's, allowed it's that to true. happen. Aang was isolated. He was, he was trying to help his friends. Yeah, but still, it happens really easily. I actually really liked that, and in, in fact, I was in the back of my head. I was thinking, okay, here's one of those things where we get this bad guy really built up, and here's the Buffy time, like just like on Buffy when people would recruit like assassins like then we would be like oh yeah they're, these are these are going to be really deadly like the and order then, of taraka like the order of taraka <laughs> excellent this the excellent parallel here so these are the like i thought it was going to be like the order of taraka and they would come in and they would get their asses kicked and and we would just be one of those slow erosions of having any fear of the villain group yeah right and this is the opposite these archers house ang mm-hmm. like that's true they i mean and it's not like luck i mean they take him down with skill, with the exact skills they're supposed to have. And Aang doesn't have an answer for them because Aang is not all-powerful. Aang is not, un, you know, he's not unstoppable. And so it gives 
the villain and the Fire Nation teeth that they would not have had had this plan not succeeded. And I like that it only fails because of Zuko. Like, that is the only reason this plan fails, because of the intentional actions of someone within their group. Mm-hmm. Aang otherwise has lost. He, he is defeatable by the Fire Nation in the right circumstances, and I think that's a really important thing to establish. Yeah, and another, another dark turn for this show. Uh, the show is increasingly embracing uh, moments of darkness. Uh, so Zhao has Aang captive, uh, like chained up, and he, he explicitly states, uh, don't worry, I'm not going to kill you, because if I kill you, you'll just be reborn and we'll have to hunt you down all over again. I'll keep you alive, but just barely. That's like, true. I was like, I, holy crap. <laughs> I, I have to reconsider my stance on this now. I, I hear what you guys are saying, and I think I, I'm, I think I was wrong. Wow. Mark this in the calendar. Big moment for me. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. So, AJ, or uh, uh, Eric, you just mentioned Zuko. I, I want to ask AJ, mm-hmm. um, did, how did you feel about the Blue Spirit, and did you see the reveal coming? I am notoriously awful at predicting any twists in any story. Like, it's just one of those blind spots where even though I feel like I'm a writer, I should be able to see these things coming, I'm almost always take, un- taken by surprise. And if I'm not, that means that whoever like whoever wrote or made the movie or TV show has done a, a poor job. Because I'm usually completely in the dark on these things. So no... I did not expect that to be Zuko. In fact, for whatever reason, it didn't even, much like with uh, Ozai, I guess, it didn't even occur to me that it would be a character that we already knew. I was like, oh, here's this fun new assassin character <laughs> that we're going to get to meet at yeah. some point. Um, but then, yeah, when he when the, the mask falls off, and we, and I want to say before that, the, the scene where um, they're like flying through the 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 art like the the archers are like firing arrows at them and they're flying through all of that and they're under siege mm-hmm. with uh Aang spinning his staff around and I, that was an incredible scene that the whole sequence the whole breakout sequence is yeah one of my fa- this is one of my favorite episodes in the series and that that sequence is one of my favorite moments yeah. in the entire series that that was beautiful um, but yeah, when the mask falls off and we see the scar and we see that it's Zuko, that genuinely surprised me. I did not see that coming. Awesome. Cool. What I wish I-, I could remember if I saw it coming when I, cause I'm like you, AJ, generally, like I don't see twists coming. And when I do, and the show thinks it's hiding it from me, I tend to get cranky because if I saw it, then it, they did a crap job right. of hiding it. So I had that same reaction. I can't remember if, and when I saw, um, that coming when I when I did it because this time I actually didn't remember that it was Zuko so I did see it coming this time because I know the character so like eventually I was like I'm pretty sure this is Zuko but um, at the first time through I don't know if I got it or not yeah uh, one of the reasons I like it so much is uh, it manages to like I don't feel like it cheats to hide Zuko's no. identity um, there there were a couple opportunities where the man in the mask if he was if he was a firebender he he could have used firebending but the situation just managed to resolve itself so he didn't like i'm specifically thinking of the moment where uh ang and zuko or ang and the blue spirit are surrounded by uh fire soldiers and they they all shoot fire at him and if left to his own devices um Zuko behind the mask probably could have dealt with that. 
but Aang pushed him out of the way and used his airbending to, to knock the fire aside. There were a couple moments there where um, it managed to conceal from us, the audience that yes, that's, that's Zuko under the mask, uh, but it doesn't feel like they had to cheat to do it. See, I, well, I, it's interesting you say it that way because my read on the situation was that Zuko was intentionally not using firebending. Oh no. I, I yeah, he, I mean, that's why he splashed water on that one guy. Yeah, he, de- he didn't want them to know that he was a firebender, but I'm just saying if he had been by himself and he got in one of those situations where he would have been forced to, like he could have. It was done, what you're saying is it was done in a way so that we as an audience don't feel question. cheated. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah There's no that. point where where you're like, well, why didn't, if he's, if that's Zuko, why didn't he firebend back there? Yeah, I just, it felt like it played fair with what was going on. And and I also just like the fact that it shows that Zuko actually has some skill. Yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Go ahead, AJ. I, I was waiting on you. Oh, I thought I, thought, <laughs> I heard an intake of breath like you had a, a, a bit of wisdom to drop on us. I do this thing. It's called breathing sometimes. Well, Not all the time. Don't. Sometimes. I don't like it. I don't approve of it. I know. Um, I don't approve of you thinking AJ has wisdom to drop. <laughs> I, I, was, I was kidding. Well, I was sad. I was faking. Uh, so Admiral Zhao, uh, he gets his he gets his Hitler moment. Um, his Hitler moment? Yeah. Did you not get even the slightest sort of Nazi vibe when he's giving his big speech to all the collected soldiers? About how uh, we we are children of fire, we are the superior oh, nation yeah. or whatever, and the whole all the army is like yeah, and chanting back at him. I was like, ooh, ooh, okay. Uh, again, it's a little bit dark. And I like that in this episode, we because obviously we know that uh, that Zuko does not like Zhao, does not get along with Zhao, does not respect Zhao. Um, but I like that this episode sort of shows us that Aang and Zuko do have a common enemy because mm-hmm. before this was was ang and he may have been but was ang aware of zhao they, they had faced each other before i think okay. hadn't they yeah yeah I f- okay yeah and the water bending sc- no that wasn't zhao i, I no, but it was earlier it was very early on but yeah he okay. they did they did cross paths at least once okay i mean well, this episode zhao was, cer- to... zhao was certainly in command of the ship that was firing fireballs at them when they right. <laughs> ran the blockade but yeah Right. But this episode really brings into focus the fact that Aang and Zuko do have a common enemy. And um, there was th- th- that moment where they're in the forest the, the next morning. And, you know, Aang is telling mm-hmm. Zuko that one of his best friends uh, w- had been from the Fire Nation. And he says, you know, if we knew each other back then, do you think we could have been friends too? And Zuko, you know, Shoot doesn't... Yeah, shoots fire at him and, and runs off. Um, um, yeah, in my, just the, in my notes, I note I marked that as I said, you know, the the escape sequence is, you know, one of the one of my favorite sequences, one of the most exciting sequences in the series, and then the scene that follows it uh, in the woods between Aang and Zuko is one of the saddest. Yeah, and then Sokka, once Aang comes back, Sokka says, "Aang, how was your trip? Did you make any new friends?" And Aang just really sadly says, "No." I don't think so. Yeah. Um, it's a great episode. It's a fantastic episode. Uh, and I really do love all of the business with the frozen frogs. 
Um, because the idea, like, if you told me that a TV show would have, like, half-frozen frogs, like, crawling their way across the floor, that sounds horrifying Yeah. To me. No, come back. Stop unfreezing. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, my friends need to suck on those frogs. Yeah. But they did it in a way that was really cute and funny. Yeah. Um, interesting bit of trivia. The, the initial pickup that Nickelodeon gave for the series was only for 13 episodes. So at the time that the creators were, were writing this, there was a real possibility that this was going to be the final episode. And so they, that's why they decided to, uh, to set up Zhao as even a, as an even greater threat because they were like, you know, what, what's the, we can have a greater threat set up uh, so that Zuko actually ends up having to, well, in the series with Zuko rescuing Aang, that'll be a nice twist or whatever. Uh, they really went into this, setting it up as a possible series finale. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm glad that it's not, but that, that's, yeah. that was their thinking when they started breaking this episode. Um, I guess the only other thing I had about this episode was that, uh, in Zhao's speech, we find out that, um, the return of Sozin's comet apparently is common knowledge. It's something that the Fire Nation as a whole knows about. It's not like right. a, a little secret that Fire Lord Ozai is keeping hey, to himself. Fire Nation children have like Sozin's comet advent calendars in their houses. <laughs> <laughs> probably, probably. My only other note for this episode, um, all of like the Sokka's lines where he's talking out of his head. Those are all great. My favorite was, take that, you rock. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. You know what I really love about Appa? His sense of humor. <laughs> Classic <laughs> Appa. Classic Appa, yeah. <laughs> oh, how can you make Saki even funnier? Make him sick or drunk? <laughs> so, or, uh, or make him try to like yell rationality in <laughs> Minds of simple people. Yes. Oh, AJ's got his segue game going on. There we go. All right. So uh, <laughs> that takes us to the the last episode we're talking about tonight, the fortune teller. AJ, what did you think? I mean, I, I think I said earlier. I mean, not not on a par by any means with the storm or the blue spirit, and with admittedly less of a point than the great divide. But I thought it was more entertaining than the great divide. I thought this was a fun episode, even though it, I it doesn't really amount to much. Like, I, I think Eric's right. I'm not sure if there is an overarching or an overarching point to this episode. Like, just the fact that, uh, I mean, it's, it's, uh, Aang tells another lie to, uh, to, to help people by manipulating the clouds, sort of yeah. like he did in the Great Divide when he straight up bald-faced lied to people. Yeah. Um, so I guess that is a bit of a, of a connector there, but... Apart from that, I'm not sure what the the intent of this episode was. Which I mean, shipping. it's not necessarily a bad thing. I, I liked it. It's a shipping episode. It's here it, so well, you can ship. It's here so true. you can ship Aang and and uh, Katara. That's. And I'm going to be honest. I kind of, I I am not a shipper, because that implies I'm an insane person who posts gif sets on Tumblr all day. <laughs> but AJ calling I, the AJ calling the shippers oh, out. Good lord. <laughs> we will not hear the end of that. I kind of I, I I I've been known to ship. You're shipping it, aren't you? And I I feel bad that I am because <laughs> there's really like it. I feel like it's set up for like the first scene of the series that we're supposed to ship Aang and Katara because she finds him. Uh -huh. 
and that that's pretty much I mean that that's the the groundwork that has been laid and so I feel like I should be rebelling against it but I'm kind of into it you guys you're shipping it that, shipping that's them. cool I appreciate that I will tell you no spoilers but I just because I you're probably not aware of this um, just like every other you know geek property out there there is there is the crazy fan base for this I, for this series um, and there there is some mad shipping that goes on for this series between various characters. There are legitimate shipper wars for Avatar. Are there, and I don't really want to know the answer, but I, but I won't tell you, but anyway. go ahead and ask. Are there, you can answer this question. Are there like slash like shippers oh, out absolutely. there for this, sh- sure. for this show? Yeah. Well, there is for every show, AJ. Yeah. That, that uh, just exists. A, that's just, that's just a thing that's going to happen. It's a Nickelodeon cartoon. <laughs> the, the the one slash shipping that I'm I fear probably exists and I don't want I don't want to know if it does is is Zuko Iro slash fiction. Oh, <laughs> I'm sure it's out there, I'm, but I'm not. Aware I can of it. Ac- I can accept any anything else. That's the one that I, I just mean, don't want. The one that I had thought of was like Katara and Sokka. Uh, that's, that's, not, that's not very good either. That probably probably is out, out there. there yeah. That one yeah. that one doesn't 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 quite doesn't quite get me there but that's that's pretty that's so it's like so for you it's like a homophobic thing yeah no totally (laughs) okay no mostly it's sort of i don't i don't know what it is i think i think it's just because it's like it's that's the older younger thing age ain't nothing but a number eric yeah except that it's like his dad it's like his father figure (laughs) is is there ozai zuko shipping out there i i I'm sure there is. I really hope so. I'm sure there wow. is. That is just pushing it. Yeah. That that is the. Uh... It's called burning love. That's the name of that. Show. <laughs> I, hey. I, I also ship Katara and Aang. I'll, I want to say I'm, you... I am a. I, I've found myself to be kind of a shipper of late. Like I realized, like I, 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 I get there. So, um, and I, I do, I do think I, I, I don't think I really ship them this early. But yeah. but now going back, you know, going in, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I ship it. I, I ship the shows that I watch, but I, I usually don't get crazy about it. I don't write or even read like shipper fan fiction or, or whatever. But I, I usually will have characters that I would I'd love to see those crazy kids get together. I don't need the show to actually do it. That's right. really that's where I don't I, I'm not angry at the show if they don't make it happen. Right. But if yeah. they do make it happen, I am very, very happy and very excited. Yeah. There well, was a time. There was a time back in the day, and I'm saying this exclusively because I have to make it come full circle now. We've done it for the first three episodes. I have to make the Buffy connection. Okay. Uh, there was a time back in the day where, man, I was, I was all about Xander and Willow. I was like, me too. That oh, was, who wasn't? That was my jam. Who wasn't? I was. Yeah. Too. I was. I was all. But, over but then, but then I was Willow and Oz. I was never Willow and Oz. Really? Oh, Willow and Oz. I didn't Oz mind it. I, I was. It was fine with that relationship. I just I, it I was, never. And Willow and Tara were the best couple on the show. They yeah. became the best couple, but because I was so invested in Willow and Oz, I was really I resisted Willow and Tara for a while. I did too. Yeah. I did too. Will, Willow and Tara are the good example of I don't ship it, but I can get into it when it's written well and I was there. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that wasn't a relationship that I was there, which is why like I can be like, oh, I really want that couple to get together. But so like you know whether or not Aang and Katara end up together is um, less important to me than I than that I enjoy. Their their interplay. Yeah. I like what is character. their what is their like couple name? Is it like Who? Kang? Kang. Tar- I hope it's it, Kang. It's Kang. Kang. It is. Yes. It's Kang. Yeah. K- the other other uh, or or, K- 
or Katang? I can't remember. Kang Katang. or Katang? I can't remember. That's a, that's a comic book sound effect right there. Katang. Katang. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Kang Tara. Kang Tara. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, we're getting off. We're going off the rails here. Um, before we move forward, just because I was going to make an off-color joke about it while we were talking about uh, slash fiction or you know slash pairings, uh, I was going to make make a joke about Iroh playing the Sungi horn at the end of uh, the Blue Spirit. Do you remember in uh, I think I think it was the Waterbending Scroll with the pirates? That was the episode with the pirates, right? Yeah. Uh, when when Iroh went shopping, and he bought a he bought that big horn looking thing and Zuka was like you bought a Sungi horn <laughs> and uh, Ira was like yeah for music night uh, the very sad end of uh, or the very somber end of the blue spirit was Zuko walking to his room while Iro played that Sungi horn what was the off color joke there I don't want to know no can we, you, can no, we you, just let, let's just back let's just don't don't even answer that uh, question I was, yeah it was going to be a, an Ira's horn joke but anyway oh so okay <laughs> all right all right Back to the show, um, the fortune teller. Yeah, basically, this is just a shipping episode. Do you it, see how easily I, we we managed to not talk about the episode? This is why I'm saying it's the worst of the <laughs> The best part of this episode, without a doubt, is Sokka running up to all of these crazy people and just yelling at yeah, them. Sokka is not having it. I, I, I love Sokka in this episode. Um, like the man with the where Aunt Wu told him, you know, if you you're gonna be wearing red shoes when you meet your true love, and Sokka's like, well, how long have you been wearing the shoes then? And he's been wearing them every day. Sokka just screams, then of course it's gotta come true. What, you really think so? Fantastic. <laughs> and, then, and then my my downbeat note right after that that is not necessarily Sokka. Not everyone finds true love. Oh wow, wow, wow. nice AJ. Taking it, taking it dark. Every chance you get. <laughs> Um, my, my favorite of those maybe is when uh the guy's like can your science explain why it rains yes yes it can <laughs> yes that is my favorite hands down my favorite <laughs> there, there's some funny lines in this i think that i think a big part of this is that like so much of this episode relies on characters being kind of dumb including like ang and katara uh, yeah. that and it goes on for a while and then there's like this volcano thing and then the fortune teller part itself isn't very interesting like the, all the stuff dealing with her like the actual mm-hmm. fortune teller and the weird shoehorned in side plot with the girl who's attracted to ang who pretty much is only there to highlight that we're supposed to ship who's ang guitar her name is mang yep as in hey mang wow you want can we you want to have that joke edited out aj you could probably ask for it <laughs> <laughs> never but if you ask never. it won't happen <laughs> oh, God. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I am I am reaching a little bit to find like bits of significance that come out of this episode. I mean, I guess it's it's kind of cool that uh, Aang and Katara get to go sculpt clouds together. I mean, that's that's that, w- that was pretty awesome. That was really well done. That yeah. sequence was really well done. Yeah, and uh, AJ, congratulations! It hadn't even occurred to me that this was a parallel to Aang's lie in the yeah. uh, the Great Divide. Um, so I mean, it looks I, like this, you know, Aang is not, certainly not above deception in order I, to I, achieve I balance. Props to the show for, again, being on Nickelodeon and showing that, like, the, the message of those two episodes winds up being, it's okay to lie sometimes, like, as long as it's not a hurtful <laughs> lie. Like, if you're lying to help people, yeah. it's okay to lie. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, we also get, uh, apparently I was mistaken in, uh, in, I think it was the last podcast where I talked about uh, Katara getting her mother's necklace back. Yeah. Uh, uh, that, that did not happen. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Aang made her a necklace. He makes her a new necklace. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we also get, I mean, it's played in this episode, it's played as a moment of revelation for Katara. The whole, you know, Sokka says, sometimes I forget what a powerful bender that kid is. Um, but uh, that that is a significant look, uh, kind of a significant reminder to us, the audience, that, you know, he is, potentially at least, he's more than just the little kid that blows gusts of air around. Like, he did some some pretty powerful stuff there at the end to stop the, the lava flows. Yeah, yeah he, starts, he starts doing some, like, some serious stuff yeah. at this point in the series, which I'm glad because, you know, I one of the dangers of a series about someone who has a destiny who doesn't have control of their powers yet, but will become very, very powerful eventually is to hold off for too long on their development. So it's so as to make the moment where they suddenly get powerful enough to defeat the bad guy somehow like more dramatic. Mm-hmm. And that never works for me. It's actually a really big problem I have in a lot of series that rely on characters that don't have skills yet, that they hold off too long on them getting better. And I really am appreciating the smooth development of Ang's powers. Mm-hmm. In this series, they're really avoiding that. Aang is getting better and better, and we're only halfway through the first season. Yeah, and he already he already feels like a real Airbender now, whereas he felt like a goofball Airbender in the early part of the show. Yeah, like he had goofy Airbending powers, but not much. <laughs> like now, he's sort of like he's doing some real real stuff now. Yeah, which which I like. It makes it very um very easy to buy into the fact that you know we're gonna get some dangerous stuff later on, and that he's gonna survive it. Until the end when he dies and gets his throat slit. <laughs> yes! <laughs> Finally. See, AJ, if you just stick with it long enough. Awesome. Um, you mentioned you, you mentioned Mang, the the sort of throwaway, the... the uh, some might say annoying, I'll say slightly cute. Uh, slightly cute. Girl that has a crush on Aang. Um, the only thing I, I'll really say about her is that uh, the voice actor for Mang is Jesse Flower. And I, I won't say anything more than this. Jesse Flower, uh, she's done some background voices for the show up to this point, but her performance as Meng uh, lands her the voice role of a character that we meet in the future. Okay. So, um, By the way, the, but Meng is cute, slightly cute. You're right. I really did not like her floozy punchline <laughs> yeah. at the end. Yeah. yeah. That kind of left a little bit of a sour taste in my mouth but the best line in this episode the best line is the fluffy bunny cloud forecast doom and destruction that's right it's so true it does it's great it, it often great. does i've found most of the darkest moments in my life have been uh, preceded by bunny clouds <laughs> like the day the day aj and i met there were bunny clouds all bunny over clouds. the place yeah my god my god my god it's full of bunny clouds <laughs> um all right. I think that's probably as much as we can say about this episode. Was there anything? Oh, we got a we got the the platypus bear, another hybrid animal. Oh yeah. Oh, okay. I had a, I had a big question for you guys. Okay. Um. So, you know, so we get the platypus bear, and were those like turkey ducks? Um, walking uh, around with like the. Yeah, they. Um, I guess because they kind of had waddles on their on their yeah. bills, didn't they? Yeah. So my question is. Oh no. Could bat turkeys? feasibly exist in the world of avatar mm. wow yeah if you're, if you're listening at home and don't know bat turkey is the mascot of mine and paul's flagship podcast gobbledygeek 
So this is a very important question, and we need to contact the creators of Avatar and get them to draw us at least a sketch. I, I beg you to go to a convention. That's a great idea. When they have a panel, and get up and ask this question. <laughs> no, I'm going to go to like when they have like a signing. Like, please, just like draw me whatever you think a bat turkey would look like. You realize that writers don't draw necessarily, right? Well, I'll go to an animator or but... I, don't, I don't know. I assume that someone at some point had to draw something. Well, they they do. Brian Kanitsko, he does draw. Hey, yeah. hey, I'm fucking with AJ here, Paul. I, I know. I'll, I'll allow it. I'll allow it. <laughs> AJ, forget I said that. I'll edit it out. Okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, I I want to I want to say that bad turkeys are a legitimate avatar possibility. Yeah. I'm gonna say they're canon. They're canon. Uh, bad right. turkeys. There you go. There. So, we, we made it happen. It's there. This is the, this is the Gobbly Geek spinoff that was always meant to be. Yes. <laughs> Okay. So th- thank you. I want to thank you all for proving that the fortune teller was in fact the worst episode. Of this. <laughs> uh, I really appreciate your hard work in, along these lines. Uh, I'm glad we could we could help you achieve your dream. It, it's you know I, I win so so little that when <laughs> when the times come that I actually manage to have score like an epic victory like this, I have to appreciate it. Yeah. And this was an epic victory. Okay. You, you you bask in that victory until oh, I'm I'm not letting it go. Two weeks from now when we meet again, <laughs> that's right. I'm going to be talking about the fact that I was right. <laughs> yes, uh, yeah. So we um, I'll we'll take this opportunity to warn the audience ahead of time because uh, as we said at the top of the show, there's been a there was a week's hiatus between the last episode and the this episode, and we didn't give people a heads up about that, and we got a little feedback. <laughs> on that uh that some of our loyal listeners uh, were sad that they uh, did not have a new episode over the course of a week so um that is happening again there will be a week's break between uh, the recording of this episode and the recording of our next episode so the next episode i'm about to talk about you will have in two weeks not one my apologies oh, man. i'm already starting to like like itch I- i'm sorry uh, blame AJ. Even though it's it's my fault, just blame AJ. Remember. Sure. All right. Well, that was good. I think we had a lot to say about those. That was fun, except for the last one. Uh, <laughs> thanks, everybody, for joining us. Uh, as always, you can find links to this and all of our past episodes on our website. That's theavatarreturns.com. Uh, links will also be posted on our parent show site, gobbledygeekpodcast.com, or you could just subscribe to the show on iTunes, and every episode will be hand-delivered to you personally by our flying email lemur. Uh, and you can feed the e- lemur, please feed the lemur, by dropping us an email at tarpodcast at gmail.com. And, of course, you can always find us on social media. You can like us on Facebook for all of our updates, or you can follow us on Twitter. The show is twitter.com slash tarpodcast. And on Twitter, I am at haunt1013. Eric is at salon. That's S-A-A-L-O-N. And AJ is at unplugged crazy. Next week, we continue exploring book one with chapters 15 through 17. That's Bato of the Water Tribe, The Deserter, and The Northern Air Temple. So, until then, remember, food eats people. Oh, I used to be the